for coming today. You can have a seat. Thank you. Glory to God. Um, the camera people have told me to stand behind this pulpit as much as I can because of the live stream, but I cannot promise that at all. I come with a warning label, and I want to explain that to you so you'll understand me. When I got ordained to ministry about 35 years ago, I had a baptism of fire, and that fire has marked us for 35 years. And so I have a tendency to get really super excited and some of you know I have tendencies to run around this building. I can jump and shout with the best of them. But it's really not for show. It's because this is my flow. So if I get super excited this morning and I start preaching and running and jumping and shouting, just know... It's the fireman in me, the Holy Ghost and fire. And so before I get going with what God's put on my heart this morning, we brought a book. We have 13, but we brought our latest one. It's called The Supernatural Church of Love and Power. You that are watching on the internet by live stream. This book is available on Amazon under our name, Bert Farius. I wrote this from a furnace of affliction. And some of you that know the, my wife and I's story, we have had one of the most severe trials we've ever had in the last two years, severe health challenges. This book is what came out of that furnace. It is a book on love and power and what Jesus is doing in his mighty church today. You'll want to get this. It'll bless you. It'll fill you. It'll launch you into a whole nother dimension of revelation in your life. So these are out there on our table. You can have one after the service. Well, you can't have one. You have to pay for it. <laughs> but if you don't have the money, you can have one. And those that want to give towards somebody else that may not be able to buy it today, you can give toward that. Thank you. I want you, if you have your Bibles, to turn to Job. J-O-B. Some people say job. I remember an uneducated farmer back in the day. He couldn't, you know, he couldn't read and write too well, and he... He called the book of Job, Job, and he also called the book of Psalms, Splasms. <laughs> and he said that Paul and his wife, Silas, and their son, Timothy, preached the gospel. <laughs> but he was anointed. God has a tendency to use sometimes the least esteemed, the most base and common and despised things to manifest his glory. Now, the book of Job, for those that don't understand it, it can be a very depressing book. 
but we're going to try to pull a verse out and make it exciting for you. The book of Job chapter, what did I say? Did I say a chapter? You're supposed to get a word knowledge and know what chapter I'm going to turn to. Job 42. Forty-two. I'm sorry, I have to pull this shirt down. It's a new shirt. Um, it's already been washed several times, and it's shrinking. And if my belly button shows this morning, know that it's not on purpose. I'm not trying to show you my little Buddha belly, okay? It's just that it's shrunk so much. All right. <laughs> my, my family knows what I'm talking about. Often when I eat too much, I have this bad habit of reclining and just kind of rubbing my belly. <laughs> and my wife calls me little Buddha. <laughs> it's not very edifying, but it's a family joke. <laughs> Job chapter 42, verse 5. Job says this, speaking to the Lord. I have heard, I'm reading from the King James, but I'll, I'll, the new King James. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. The greatest thing I think that can happen in the life of a believer or even a sinner is for them to have an encounter with the Lord, where he becomes reality to you and not just fantasy, not just a historical figure, a picture on the wall, a cross around your neck, a stone statue in front of some church building. I came out of the Roman Catholic Church, and that's all Jesus was to me before I gave him my heart and my life. He was just a historical figure. My ear had heard about him. But then when my eyes, the eyes of my heart saw him, I was changed. It was a radical change for me. It was like night and day for me. It's like the sky got bluer. The grass got greener. The snow got whiter. People began to look different to me because I had a real conversion. So many people are sitting across sanctuaries this morning and they have never met the real Jesus. The one they serve is a historical figure. They have been actually inoculated, immunized against the real one. It's like when my wife and I were missionaries many years ago, some of this, these nations that we had to go into, you had to have an immunization against certain diseases that were prevalent in that nation. One of the diseases was yellow fever, and we had to have a shot and a yellow card to show the customs officers, the immigration people, so we could get into the country. And 
This is what we've done with Jesus. The disease, when they immunize you, it's actually they inject the disease into you. A little bit of it. So you'll be inoculated against the real thing. And this is what we've done with Jesus all over this country in many churches. They have just a little bit of Jesus that inoculates them against the real one. I want the real biblical Jesus. I don't want a historical Jesus. I don't want a picture on the wall. I don't want just a cross around my neck. I don't want just a stone statue out in front of some building somewhere. I want to encounter and to know the real, the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't see how people can live without the fire and the heat of the Holy Ghost. I really don't. So many have ashes. Even Christians that have been Christians for a long time, their fire has turned into ashes that's barely kindling anymore. Well, I got news for you today. Jesus has beauty for ashes. He has the oil of joy for your sorrow and your mourning. He has a garment of praise for your spirit of heaviness. If you are heavy this morning and sorrowful and you feel like your life is like ashes, Jesus can rekindle that fire once again. He can light you up by giving you a revelation of himself. Where the things in this world grow dim, strangely dim. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's what Jesus wants to do this morning. And I want you to go to Luke chapter 24. No, I might, I might take off on this one, so bear with me. I am not crazy, really. I am a fanatic, though. You know, my old pastor used to say, you know what a fanatic is? It's just someone that loves Jesus more than you. <laughs> I kind of liked that. When he first said it, I was like, wait a minute. I don't get that, but I got it. <laughs> We all can love Jesus with such a holy, fervent love that consumes us when he becomes real to us. That's why one of the greatest prayers that you can pray is in Ephesians chapter 1 where Paul prayed for the Ephesian church that they would be given or granted 
a spirit of wisdom and revelation that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. See, we have physical eyes, but we also have spiritual eyes in our hearts. And God wants to fill our hearts with a spirit of wisdom and revelation that bypasses this and works in your heart where the eyes of your understanding receive light. Ever since this trial that we went through the last couple years, I'm telling you, God began to pour into this broken vessel fresh new revelation. And it seems like everywhere I turn in the Scriptures, it jumps out at me. The pages, the Scripture just jumps out at me. I don't know if you ever experienced that, but those of you that are baptized in the Holy Ghost and you've received your prayer language called tongues, if you will spend a lot of time praying Ephesians 1 for yourself and praying much in other tongues, the Word will begin to have that effect on you. It'll jump from the pages. It'll be living, quickening, alive to you. And that's what's been happening. And this chapter, I'll tell you, I I was trying to read it this morning, and I could not get through this chapter. And I'm going to read it on my phone. I'm going to do my best to read it on my phone. I always kind of mess up with these phones, but I'm I'm going to try to be kind of techie this morning. Um, Luke 24. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy One, for helping me. Thank you, Holy Ghost. We love you so much. Okay. And I'm going to read. I don't usually read from this translation, but this morning, man, it was just so good. And everything was just... Came alive. So I'm going to read. Oh man, this whole thing is so good. Okay, let me see where I want to start because I can't, I don't have time to read this whole chapter. But you guys know this account. Those of you that have been in the Bible, spend time in it. This is one of the, just one of the post resurrection appearances of Jesus. It's probably my favorite. There's these two men, two disciples that are walking along the road to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they're talking about the events that have recently happened in Jerusalem with the crucifixion of Christ. They were in the dark about it. They did not have revelation. Everybody say revelation. They did not have revelation concerning his resurrection. Even though he had told them many times and warned them, I'm going to be killed on the third day, but I'm going to rise again. I'm going to rise again. He said it over and over again. They still were not grasping it because the Holy Spirit had not come. The Holy Spirit is your revealer. Depend on Him for everything. He has come to take the place of Jesus in your life. 
He has come to help you, to strengthen you, to encourage you, and to teach you the Word of God. As the Bible says, you have need that no man teach you, but the anointing which is within you shall teach you all things. For it is the truth and it cannot lie. In this day, we need to be taught by the Holy Spirit because it's a big, vast jungle of knowledge out there and there's so much deception and there's thousands of religions and denominations and this and that and this and that. You need the anointing of the Holy Spirit to teach you and lead you and guide you. Depend on Him. Get to know Him. Look on the inside of you every day. Holy Spirit, what is your way today? What do you want from me? Help me. Lead me in this situation. And He will. I said He will. This is our inheritance. The precious, mighty, holy one who lives in us. Yeah, amen, baby. Amen. That little baby knows it. <laughs> Whew. So where was I? Luke 24. Yeah, these two men are walking along the road. But I want to start with verse 12. When Peter, Peter was the first one to run to the tomb, the empty, the tomb now empty. Jesus' body had lay there, but it was not there anymore. So Peter, being impetuous and hasty, he had to be first at that tomb. So when he arrived, the Bible says he's stooping. He peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. And the King James says he marveled within himself. <laughs> I love that. We need to marvel a lot more at the person of Jesus and the rich things that come from his word. The Bible says, I started laughing this morning when I read that. He marveled at himself, within himself. Why? Because here's these linen cloths lying, one translation, they were folded up in the corner outside of where Jesus lay. You know, when they, when they, when they killed, when, they, when the, the Romans or the Jews had a way of rolling up, you know, a dead person and, you know, they had, um, they were kind of like mummified. You know, they, they, they were wrapped up and there were spices and things. And I, I can't explain all that. That's maybe for Steve Arsenal to explain all that. But anyway, the point is, Jesus, when he came up and the Holy Ghost quickened him and rose him from the dead, he took the time to take those linen cloths, fold them, and put them to the side. This little man marvels at that. In the greatest moment of human history, this Savior, this God, took the time to fold his linen cloths. He's not a man, is he? He doesn't act like a man. The devil thought he had him 
but he was in complete control. It was an upside down plan. The devil killed him, and it was the he thought it was the greatest defeat of all time, and it turned out to be the greatest victory in the history of man. When Jesus rose from the dead, so that we can now say, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? For Jesus conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Dun, 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 dun. He is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. Dun, 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 dun. It's okay. I'm not a singer, but I do like to make a joyful noise. <laughs> Hallelujah. So here they are. See, this is what I hate about my phone. It disappears, and I have to. Okay, here we go. This, verse 13, Luke 24, we're still there. The same day, Sunday, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles out of Jerusalem, and as they walked along, they were talking of Jesus' death. When suddenly, oh, it gets, this is where it gets good. When suddenly, Jesus himself, everybody say, Jesus himself. Not a picture on the wall, not a cross around your neck, not a stone statue. Jesus himself came along and joined them and began walking with them. Can you see it? But they didn't recognize him, for God kept them from it. Some God, sometimes God will keep things from you so you can search it out. So you can seek him all the more. And they kept, another translation says their eyes were restrained. See, they need the spirit of wisdom and revelation. They needed the eyes of their understanding to be enlightened so that they could see him. And then Jesus starts being sneaky here. He said, you seem to be in a deep discussion about something. What are you so concerned about? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. And one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only... <laughs> you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about the terrible things that happened there last week. The greatest time in the history of man. And these guys are thinking it's the most terrible thing that has happened. And it was the most awesome, magnificent, stupendous thing that had happened. He rose from the dead. Happy Easter, everybody, six weeks early. I'm telling you, Easter's happening every day in my heart these days. He is so alive to me. He is so alive in my heart, and he wants to be alive in your heart. So Jesus said, 
What things? He's acting so dumb, isn't he? What things? See, he's engaging. The, he wants to engage them. Our God engages with his people. He wants to engage with you every single day. If your heart is open and sensitive and keen, you can cultivate such a relationship with Jesus that he becomes as real to you as the chair you're sitting on right now. He, can be, he wants to become as real to you as your friend that's sitting beside you. He can become that real. This is not a fantasy, people. This is reality. If Jesus walked through those walls this morning and stood before us, how would you respond to him? Do you think you'd walk out of this building twiddling your thumbs going, that was a nice, a nice service we just had? Wonderful sermon the pastor preached. No. You would walk out of this place roaring like a lion filled with his glory. You would go home and tell your people. You would walk the streets and tell your neighbors, Jesus is alive! He appeared to us in church this morning. Yeah, they might think you're a kook, but who cares? The Holy Spirit likes to use kooky things sometimes. Yeah, he does. Here we go. Let's go back. So what things, Jesus said, the things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did incredible miracles and was a mighty teacher, highly regarded by both God and man. But the chief priests and our religious leaders arrested him and handed him over to the Roman government to be condemned to death. And they crucified him. I mean, maybe they didn't say it like that, but that's how I pictured them saying it. We had thought he was the glorious Messiah and that he had come to rescue Israel. See, they looked for him to come in a certain package. They thought he had to come, they thought he had come to take over physically. But it's a spiritual kingdom that he came to establish. And that kingdom, when you surrender to Christ, that kingdom comes within you. It comes within you, and you are supposed to manifest that kingdom everywhere you go. It is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Everybody say, glory. glory. Make a fist and say, glory. glory. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Come on, hit your chest. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Where's, uh, where's, um, who's your buddy? The guy that's, yeah, Sean, show him how it's done. Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's how we do it. That's how we do it. I love that. Whew. Glory. Whew. 
Let's continue to read here. Oh, boy. Jesus. Now, let's go down to verse 25. Is this okay? Are you glad you came today? Jesus has been here. The Holy Spirit has been here from the beginning. Here's what he said to them. You are such foolish, foolish people. That's the living Bible. You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. I don't understand people that say the Bible was written by man. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't. It was God breathed, God inspired men to write it. It's really the only book that hundreds of years before Jesus came, even thousands of years, it prophesied of his coming. And many of the prophecies, over 100 prophecies, have already come to pass. Even logic would tell you this book is not a natural book. It is not something you would read and teach from in a college lecture room. This is a book from another world. And you cannot understand it with worldly eyes and a worldly mentality and just worldly thinking. It's supernatural. Get that. It's a supernatural book to be read by a supernatural spirit that lives inside of you. Jesus. So, he called them foolish, foolish people. And then he says in verse 26, wasn't it clearly predicted by the prophets that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his time of glory? And they go on, and Jesus began to quote the word of God the writings of the prophets, beginning with the book of Genesis. Well, actually, yeah, the books of Moses, one translation says, and going right on through the scriptures, he explained what passages meant and what they said about himself. Everybody say himself. This whole book is to reveal himself. The Old Testament in its types and shadows and symbolism is to reveal Jesus, but he could not be revealed until the New Testament. See, the New Testament reveals the Old Testament. Things in the Old Testament were kept hidden until the New came. And Jesus himself was unveiling the Scriptures to these two men and they were enjoying it so much. They were eating. Everybody say, eat the Word of God. They were feasting on the Word of God and enjoying what they were hearing. And notice what happened. They begged him in verse 29 to stay the night with them as it was getting late. So Jesus went home with them. And as they, now watch this, man, I love this. As they sat down to eat, he asked God's blessing on the food and then took a small loaf of bread and broke it and passing it over to them when suddenly, 
Everybody say suddenly. Oh, I love suddenlies. When suddenly it was as though their eyes were open. Lift both hands to heaven right now and say, Jesus, open my eyes that I might see you, that I might know you in reality. And suddenly it was as though their eyes were open. They recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. Like a flash, he stood before them, broke the bread, fed them, and then, puff, he's gone. How would you respond if you were there that day? Because when you read the Word of God, the Holy Spirit was there. And he has the ability to transport you there so that you feel like you were there yourself. That is how revelation comes to you. Notice what they did. Well, now I'm going to switch over to the King James here. Hold on. We're moving with the pace of heaven this morning. Revelation 24. Verse 32. And they said to one another, this is after Jesus had unveiled and opened the word of God to them about himself. What did I say? That, tell, that, that tells you where I am. <laughs> Revelation doesn't even have a 24. Man, I'm there. <laughs> Turn. <laughs> this is the scripture <clears throat> that birthed our ministry 35 years ago. Luke... Luke 24. You know, I said Revelation because this is Revelation. Yeah, you know me, right? You know, you know I'm in the spirit, right? Yeah. <laughs> Revelation 24. <laughs> oh, my God. Luke, everybody say Luke. <laughs> Verse 32. They began telling each other. Oh no, I'm going back to the King James. Um, sorry. It's okay. This is a break in the action here. We needed this little commercial. They said to one another, verse 32, Luke 24, did not our hearts burn within us while he spoke with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures. Let me tell you something. When the scriptures are open to you, 
your heart will burn. Did you hear that? When the scriptures are open to you, your heart will burn. Do not treat this book like any other book because it's not. Treat it with respect and honor and the highest esteem and it'll come back to you and be that to you. Did not our hearts burn within us? I remember when I went to Bible school as a young convert and these anointed teachers because I went to a dynamic Bible school back in the day when there was a move of the Spirit of God. And I'll tell you, I would sit in some of my classrooms because I was, again, I was raised Roman Catholic. Do you understand the difference between true Roman can I come down here or not? Can the camera get me? I mean, do you understand the difference between true Roman Catholicism and Christ in us, the hope of glory? It was like night and day to me because I was raised in a religion, a denomination that thought Jesus was a Catholic. And the apostles were Catholic. The Father and the Holy Ghost were Catholic. That's all I knew. I felt like if you were not a Roman Catholic, you were not of God. So I would kind of avoid you. Because I was devout. My parents brought me up as a devout Roman Catholic. We observed the sacraments. We were in Mass every Sunday I'm telling you, I knew everything about Roman Catholicism. But when Jesus became real to me, everything changed. I was faced with my traditions. What am I going to do? Am I going to choose my traditions or am I going to follow this Savior and this King. As a matter of fact, I went back to the priest and I got sneaky like Jesus got sneaky. And I went to the priest and I said, Father, can you tell me what this means? And I opened up to John chapter 3, around verse 7, where it says, In order to enter the kingdom of God, you must be born again. So I went back to the priest because I wanted to be sure, but I already knew the answer. I said, Father, what does this mean right here? It says a man must be born again to see and enter the kingdom. What does this mean? And I remember he was an old man, and he put his glasses down like this. Oh, son, it just means that when you die and go to heaven, you will be new. And I was like, and I didn't know much scripture back then, but the Spirit of God rose up in me and said, if the blind lead the blind, they'll both fall in the ditch. Get out of here and never come back. And I have never been back to the Roman Catholic Church since then. Oh, I did. Last week, I went, two weeks ago, I went to my uncle's funeral. 
the same church that I grew up in. And that's another story because I'm sitting there and the Lord gave me revelation about the Catholics. How some of them truly do love Jesus. They truly are born again. But so many of my relatives are stuck there. They have not grown spiritually because the word of God is not taught under the anointing of the Holy Spirit in most of those churches. There's no revelation. Jesus was never real to me. But thank God he delivered me. Can you praise God for your own deliverance? It may have been traditions. It may have been religion. It may have been a cult that you were in. It may have been drugs or alcohol, whatever vices were in your life. Jesus wants to deliver you. Some of you have, and I'm not saying this to scare you, some of you have demons that actually follow you. And they harass you from time to time. And you need to come and learn the Word of God and who you are in Jesus Christ because He's given every one of us authority over every demon. You never have to fear again. You never have to be afraid again. You can say in the name of Jesus, stop harassing me. Get out. Be gone from my life. You can do that if you have surrendered to Jesus and he has truly become your Lord, you don't ever have to let any demon or spirit. We're not fighting demons. Did you know that? It's not like, you know, God and the devil is having a wrestling match. And sometimes God is winning and sometimes the devil is winning. No, this is not a fair fight. Jesus has already won. The victory is eternal. And just to tease and rub it into the devil's face, I love to sing about his eternal defeat and the eternal victory of Jesus. I sing about that all the time. Let your voice be a redemptive voice. Let your songs that you sing be redemptive. Sing the victory of Jesus. Sing how he rose from the dead and spoiled every principality and power and made a show of them openly. And he triumphed over them. We need revelation to understand that. We are seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Even when we pray, we are praying from a place of victory and having already won. Every Christian should have a note of victory in their souls. There should be this ringing of the triumph of Jesus. Not this defeatism like woe is me. I would rather listen, as an old man said, I would rather listen to a donkey bray in a barn at midnight 
then listen to some Christians talk about how hard this Christian life is. It is not hard. It must be lived by revelation with continual baptisms into the person of who Jesus is. Every day, this same revelation that these early disciples had that Jesus was risen can be real to you every day. Like he just rose from the dead yesterday or today because it's so real to you as it was to these two. So what did they do? How would you respond? They said, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us by the road and opened the scriptures to us? So when I went to Bible school, sometimes in the classroom, I would want to run around. See, I was running back then. I wanted to run around the classroom because it was life-changing for me. When they taught the Word of God under the anointing, it gripped me. When I found out how much Jesus loved me, how much the Father loves me as he loved Jesus, how I was accepted in the Beloved, all the condemnation and this sense of unworthiness that I had in the Roman Catholic Church, it just left me. This sin consciousness that I grew up with, you are a sinner. You will always be a sinner. You're no good. God doesn't love you. Da-da-da-da-da. 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 Everybody say da-da-da-da-da. Whatever that means. My wife might have the interpretation of that. And over and over again, we're crushed by religion. They tell us we're no good. We're unworthy. We're condemned every day because that is all religion can offer you is condemnation. But when I realized I'm a child of God, my father loves me. I am a son of his love. Oh, I wanted to run around that classroom. But because I was so shy back then, I know you wouldn't know it now, but I was. I restrained myself and said, God, they'll think I'm a kook if I run around this classroom. But right now there's something inside of me that's burning. It's burning in me. And it took all I had to hang on to my chair so I wouldn't run around the room. It was like this. Like a forest fire. And I knew right then, God is impregnating me with something for my future that he's called me to. When I went to Africa as a missionary, I never told them of my experience, but they started calling me the fireman. The fireman. In Spanish countries, el hombre de fuego, el hombre de fuego está aquí. Yeah, yeah. And yes, it's Christ in me. The hope of glory. I would be a fool to think it was just me. And I'm telling you, it's so life-changing when Jesus 
becomes close and real and near to you. And he touches you every day, every day. I wake up every morning now with the touch of God in my bosom. And I say, Lord, don't ever take this away from me. I love this life. I love living with you like this. I love walking with you like this. Please, Holy Spirit, continue to open the Word of God to me in this way. I'm getting older. So are you. Day by day. But the Bible says, though the outward man decay, the spirit is renewed day by day. I feel like a teenager again on the inside of me. Yeah, I try to do sometimes what teenagers do, and I realize this body is not the same. I can't run like I used to. I can't jump like I used to. But God help me, I'm going to keep doing it. Because the Spirit is renewed day by day. So these two disciples, and we're coming in for a landing here soon. I can see the runway out ahead. These two disciples, they were tired. They had just walked seven, eight miles from Jerusalem. But when Jesus revealed himself to them, in the breaking of the bread. The Bible says they ran back to Jerusalem. They ran back to Jerusalem. They didn't walk. They didn't even say they jogged. They ran. This is what God wants to do in every believer, every new convert, is that he would put such a fire inside of you that revelation would open up to you, that the scriptures would be so unveiled to you that you too would become a running man and a running woman, and that you would run with the fire and revelation of Jesus. They told everybody, he's alive, he's alive. What's the rest of it, Daniel? Don Francisco. He's alive, he's alive, and I'm forgiven. Heaven's gates are open wide. He's alive. <laughs> she just had her day in the sun. <laughs> Got a good voice, better than mine. <sighs> but that's not saying much. <laughs> What's that? What's that? No, you said something to me. <laughs> this is my second Holy Ghost right here. <laughs> now, you are my helper. And the Holy Ghost is also a helper. Colossians 
chapter 3. I want to lay hands on some people today for Hallelujah. They're going to be singing it more today and this week. What did I just say? Colossians chapter, as long as I haven't said Revelation 24, (laughs) we're safe. Revelation, oh. I believe this is the Holy Ghost theme this morning. You need revelation because I keep saying that word. Forget Colossians 3. Go to Ephesians 1. (sighs) Read Colossians later. Later. Colossians 3. If I get in Colossians 3, I won't be able to get back out. So we're not going there right now. We're going to Ephesians 1. And listen, I want to give you an assignment. I want you to pray this prayer for one another, for this body and yourself as often as you can. Once a day, twice a day, once a week, twice a week. It would do you better to pray this prayer every day if you can. The prayer was the passion of the Apostle Paul for the saints everywhere. And before I read that, I'm really, I really need a drink of water right now. My mouth, is getting, my mouth is getting really dry. He's alive, he's alive. What's the rest of it? He's alive and I'm forgiven. Man, I love that. So Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Paul said, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom, Underline that, the spirit of wisdom, or if you have a phone, highlight it, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and then the rest of the prayer follows, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. And the prayer finishes at the end of this chapter. But if you would just pray that regularly, after some time, you would see a change. The Word of God would become quickened to you. It would become more alive to you, especially if you combine it with praying much in the Holy Ghost in other tongues. Some of you are going to be filled with the Holy Ghost this morning, and you're going to receive your prayer language, the language of the kingdom of God. I call it kingdom linguistics. You say, what's that? You'll find out. After I came to Jesus, I was in a little Pentecostal Bible study, and 
I wanted to receive the baptism of the Holy with the Holy Spirit. The baptism, you know, that's the right way to say it. The baptism with the Holy Spirit. That's how it's said in most scriptures. I used to always say it, the baptism in, the baptism of, but it's actually the baptism with. The Holy Spirit immerses you. And, you know, I heard them speaking in this funny little language. And I could hear my mother's voice. Son, that's a cult. You've gotten in a cult. You know, those people read the Bible so much, they've lost their minds. Son, you can't read the Bible all that much. You're going to lose your mind. I said, Mama, it's good that I lose my mind so I can get the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is revealed in this book. So I kept on. I kept on. And I was intrigued by this language. Like intrigued. You know, there are pastors and churches today that say we got to tone down on that stuff. We don't want to scare away the visitors. I was a visitor in that little Pentecostal Bible study. I wasn't scared. As a matter of fact, I was fascinated because they had this language that was so supernatural. I know it didn't come from here. I know it was coming out of their belly, Jesus said, shall flow rivers of living water. And I actually went around the room and I said, have you been baptized? This is when I kind of threw away my shyness because I was so intrigued and there wasn't a lot of people there, maybe 12, 15 people. And I said, can you speak in tongues? And they would say, yes, can I hear you? And they would just, I said, wow. And I go to the next person, can you speak in tongues? And they'd say, yes, can I hear you? Everyone was different. And I was just like, it was like electricity. When, when I would hear their language, it was like, man, there's something about that. They have something in them that is not yet in me. And it was the baptism of the, with the Holy Spirit. And it made me hungry for it. See, you have to be hungry. People, Jesus said, I'll fill you when you're hungry, when you're thirsty. If you just come nonchalantly and say, God, give me the Holy Spirit, there's got to be hunger inside of you. And so they put me in the middle of the room like they often do here. You call it the hot seat. I don't think they called it that, but it was, in fact, the hot seat because they prayed over me. And I received, but it wasn't spectacular. And I went away disappointed. And I asked the elder of the Bible study, you know, I only spoke like in three or four syllables, and I just keep speaking in those same syllables. And he said, don't worry about that. Just keep speaking. And about two weeks later, I... I I hit a gusher, as they say in the south. A gusher. And this river just came out of me. And I didn't want to stop. I didn't want to stop. 
And ever since then, every day, I pray in the Holy Ghost, in these tongues. The Bible says it's supernatural communication with God. When you get baptized with the Holy Spirit, these tongues come forth from you. And actually, the whole, it is the Holy Spirit that makes Jesus more real to you. So the more of the Holy Spirit you have, the more of Jesus you will be real to you. Be honest with me. How many people here have never been baptized with the Holy Spirit like this and you've never received that prayer language? Lift your hands. Thank you for your honesty. I know there's many more than that, but people are shy, like I was shy. But you know what? Some of you are going to be running around this room in about six months, maybe even today, because the revelation of the Word of God is going to explode in you that it's going to be hard for you to contain it. Now, I know there's no liars in here. <clears throat> hopefully, but if you have been baptized with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, you lift your hand. Hallelujah. More and more are coming. But there's a bunch of you that didn't lift your hands on the first count. So you are kind of a liar. <laughs> See, I got you. and I've been preaching long enough that I can find who the liars are. You can just repent, ask the Lord to cleanse you, and then admit, I don't have this fullness of the Holy Ghost, and I've never spoken in this prayer language, but I really want to. You can. You can, even today. And I'm going to back up. Maybe you're here and you're like a visitor and... Um, you know, you don't usually come and you're like, you know, this is a different kind of meeting for you. And maybe you've never really surrendered. Everybody say surrender. surrender. Maybe you've never really surrendered to Jesus. I mean, from here. I mean, like, my life is yours, Jesus. Everything. He is a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man finds that treasure, he sells everything to go and buy the field so he can get the treasure who is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how I got converted. I found the, I found the field and I sold it all to buy the field so I could get the treasure. That's what every person, when they surrender to Christ, that's your posture. That's your attitude. He's worth it all. He's worth it all. He is Lord and Savior. He has risen from the dead. There's nothing else to live for but Him. Think about it. What's his worth? What's his value? 
A man that has taken me and us out of darkness. Complete, utter, gross darkness. And translated us into the kingdom of his marvelous light. It's not just light. It's marvelous light. How marvelous it is. How marvelous it is. It's revelation that makes it so marvelous. Father, right now, just bow in reverence right now. Father, I feel your spirit tugging on some hearts here this morning, asking them, what am I worth to you, O man, O woman, O child? What am I worth to you? What is my value to you? What will you give in exchange for me? Every human being has to answer that question. And the right answer is, you, Jesus, are worth my life, my entire life, all that I am and hope to be, all that I have and hope to have. You are worthy of it all, Jesus. For you alone have shed your precious blood and poured out your precious life for me so that I might be saved, so that I might be free, so that my name might be written in the Lamb's book of life. Even today, if you've never surrendered to Him, lift both your hands, not one hand. Lift both your hands and say, I surrender today. Is there anybody in this room that would say, Jesus, you are worth my life and I surrender it all today? Nobody? Nobody? Thank you. If you've already surrendered your life, great. I'm talking to those that have never surrendered their life. You may be even talking the talk, but you've never surrendered your life. Because the Bible says, many are they that praise me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Many profess me but in works, they deny me. Maybe you're one of those. You're a backslider. You're a prodigal. You're talking the talk, but you're not walking the walk because Jesus is not real to you. And if you would like to submit and surrender to him today, both your hands should be up right now. 
I'm not one of those that says, bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm not ashamed of him. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. I want to tell everybody, he's mine. He's mine. Jesus is mine. I'm not ashamed of him. Some of you have served him with a degree of shame. You're afraid to let your neighbors and your friends and your relatives know. But this fear and timidity must go. For it is now a time like never before. Do not say there are yet four months until harvest time. Lift your eyes and look on the fields, for they are ready to harvest even now. There are more people around the world now, even in your own spheres of influence, that are more open to the gospel than they've ever been before. It is a time to share Jesus. Every one of you can tell the good news. Every one of you can share your testimony. It's not just for evangelists and apostles and prophets to share the good news. But you need the Holy Ghost. You need the mighty Holy Ghost. And if you've not been baptized in the Holy Ghost, I'm going to open these altars. You know, if you just want to come and seek God, I'm just going to open these altars for you to come. Please don't get familiar with open altars. I know almost it's regular that we open these altars. It's on a regular basis that we invite people to come. But if you've never surrendered to Jesus, this is the time. This is the day. This is the hour. So I'm opening the altars to you. You know, unless you have to go, you've got small children, please don't go. Because it's offensive to the Lord when you're open up when you're opening up the altars for people to come to Jesus and surrender to Him, and everybody starts moving around. Again, if you have to and you have something to do, that's fine. Just be irreverent. There's too much irreverence in the church today. This flippant attitude is because we are not aware and conscious of Him who's in our midst. It's okay. You guys sing a little something. Whatever the Spirit puts on your heart and the altars are open for you to come. I want to lay hands on some of you soon. It is about 10 minutes to 12.